0: Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only
3: at Banana Republic Factory. What does fantasy football have in common with Scrabble and Yahtzee? Is it a game of luck or a game of skill? We're talking strategy on Roto Viz Radio. <laughs> I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz. This is Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC. I'm joined by a man who has the skills necessary to roll a mandelbaum crepe. You know him as Matthew Friedman, editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network.
1: Uh one, that is uh, very flattering for you to say that. Uh, but I must admit, uh, I don't have the skills to do that. And uh now, the people on the show uh listening are going to uh really get their money's worth um because i have nothing to add when it comes to scrabble <laughs> or yahtzee uh i've played scrabble maybe twice in my lifetime and i've never played yahtzee
3: oh my gosh so th- th- like we i we talked about this a little bit because i i wish that we had discovered this live but it like blows my mind that you never played yahtzee do you are you even familiar with the game.
1: No, which there's there's even more subtext to this. Uh, I okay. am editing pieces right now for the Gambling Olympics, which is uh, an event that uh, guys at the Action Network are putting together, hosting in Las Vegas for a number of, you know, like luminaries in the sports speculation space. One of the games at, at this event is Yahtzee. And like, we're supposed oh, wow. to like write a breakdown about it. And, uh, like, someone else has to write that breakdown because I have no idea what Yahtzee even is.
3: Well, I mean, if you need somebody that is a skilled player that has a lot of background, I could write that piece.
1: Uh, I will, I will keep that in mind, although I don't want to take you away from, from your, your actual roto duties to have you write, uh, what essentially would be a joke piece in a very serious way about Yahtzee. Uh, played by 12 guys who were certain to be drunk. So. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> but,
3: oh, man. Well, yeah. see, we'll, we'll get why though. We'll get, we'll get more into that later. I have a lot of thoughts on, um, Yahtzee, a lot of interesting things. Hey, Matt, I don't know if you got though to listen to last week's episode in your absence. I'm going to assume not because you were very busy. Uh, I,
1: I have not listened to it. Although anytime I can hear Denny, uh, talk about kickers, Uh, That is something that I I put on my agenda. So, at some point in the future, I will listen to and talk about Kickers, which is so ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
3: I want to make you aware that last week, I did say that, uh, you know, in your stead, Denny was bringing – the boyish charm, whereas you commonly depict a uh, rugged masculinity.
1: (laughs) I feel like that is so off in so many different ways. (laughs) Uh, I am definitely rugged, uh, but it would be very hard for someone to be like, oh yeah, that guy is masculine. He is the epitome (laughs) of manliness.
3: Well, generally when I think of masculinity, I think of uh, literature majors. Right.
1: I, I think the one thing that helps is that I have a beard. Um, but you know, I don't know how much that helps because lots of people have beards these days.
3: Yeah, they do. It's so I have the beard as well, uh, which is good cause it makes me look like I'm not 12 years old. So, you know, it brings a little masculinity into the equation. Right. Uh,
1: that always helps, especially with uh, a sport as manly as fantasy football. <laughs> oh,
3: that's where the real men go
1: to play. Exactly. right? Exactly. Uh, speaking, speaking of the real men, let's transition to, uh, Winston, <laughs>
3: Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Um That's an interesting segue. Uh So we'll leave all of this stuff out. We don't need to get too sanctimonious. Obviously, this guy's just a bit of a jerk just when you look at his overall track record. Uh It's looking like he's going to be suspended three games. I don't think a final decision has been made on that, but it seems likely. So... I am assuming that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to fill in for Winston in those 3 games. Fantasy implications from your perspective?
1: I don't know how much it changes uh to be honest. Um you know, Fitzpatrick was basically doing Fitzpatrick-esque type of things last season in his uh like 3-ish games as as the main quarterback uh, for the Bucks. Uh similar offense, uh the same players around him. I think we should basically just expect him to have uh Winston-esque type of production like with just a notch down like you know so basically it's still the it's still the same offense if you liked Winston before you probably still like him now except you might get him at something of a discount uh you know a little bit later as a quarterback um you know but I don't think it changes much in the offense
3: yeah i mean i don't think that it was a huge change either. I did go uh on to Rotoviz and brought up the uh the splits. Now for Evans, he actually has put up better numbers in his 17 games without Winston than he has in his 44 with Winston. Uh a significant improvement in the touchdowns. Targets went down a little bit, but pretty much everything was the same. Now Deshaun Jackson, it's a smaller sample, but we see nine points per game with Winston. 13 out of the split some of that might have to do with winston being a little bit banged up in some of those games but at the end of the day i'm I'm like you i don't think it's a huge difference also if you look at their uh aya uh both of those receivers it was better with fitzpatrick than winston due to the small sample i don't think that we're gonna go out and say that these players are better off with winston out and fitzpatrick in but i don't think that you really need to um move down either of those players very far in your rankings, if at all. And from the perspective with Winston, I think he was a quarterback that if I was going to be drafting, it would have been towards the end of the draft anyway. So if he's missing those three games, I don't really think it changes much. You can stream somebody for those first three games. So it sounds like we're on the same page. Yeah. Here.
1: One quick question here. What are your thoughts on Kamen Great? Yep. Because that is like the one area. Like Fitzpatrick targeted his receivers more. And I believe maybe his backs a little bit more than Winston did. But he basically ignored the tight ends. So last year Cameron Brait had decent production with Jameis Winston. And he's he's had that for two seasons with Winston. But in his three games with Fitzpatrick. Uh, he was basically just like uh, a ghost out there. And then there's the possibility outside of the Fitzpatrick stuff that OJ Howard will uh, steal a larger share of his targets anyway. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on Braid there?
3: Yeah, I'm not sure if I have to reassess too much because of the Fitzpatrick starting the first three games. Uh Because even if the numbers are going to dip, I don't think that Brate is at a point he like he's not one of those tight ends that I would be drafting high enough that I care if they're going to miss the first 3 games and a large reason of that is because I do feel like OJ Howard is talented enough has started to display enough ability that's translating over to the next level that I feel like they're starting to going to start to come more in line this season i think there will be some cannibalization so i don't think either of them were players i was aggressively going after so it's not like this really changes my evaluation of Brait too much i'd be surprised if either of those guys is able to be a uh Starting tight end in fantasy more than 25% of the time this season. I think maybe one of them gets lucky as a two touchdown game here or there. But I think for me, really in this offense, Ronald Jones, uh, Mike Evans are really the only two guys I would be drafting somewhere around their ADP. Djax, I'm not, I'm not too sure on.
1: Mm-hmm. Just to put some numbers on this in 28 games with Winston over the last two years, Cayman Braid has 11 PPR points per game in the three games without him. He has 1.9.
3: Oh, wow. That's a, that's a tough one. Oh, I, it, it is hard to draw conclusions with the three yeah, games. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But nonetheless, something to consider, but so it looks like at the end of the day, the moral of the story is here. There's really no need to overreact.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And and probably no need to, uh, to draft Winston anyway. But uh, yeah, if, if you were a Winston fan, you can get him cheaper now. So, you know, I guess that's good.
3: Yeah, I, I guess before we close. It feels like for the last couple of seasons now, there has been hype about Winston and this being his breakout year. Before this, did you have any hope like that or were you you viewing him you know, just to be Jameis Winston 2018, same as he has the other years? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think what we will see out of him, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I think we are likely to see something out of him that is very similar to what we've seen out of him the last couple of seasons. And that hasn't been bad. Um, but it hasn't been like great. He hasn't been a top six quarterback.
3: Right. For me, it's one of those situations too, where if you start looking into Winston from either a numbers perspective or just kind of watching a game perspective, it doesn't really seem like there's been any huge progression that he's made in any one category. It seems like the mistakes that he used to make are still there and we haven't really seen him put anything new into his game. So I don't see why there'd be this huge jump all of a sudden um, especially for a player who doesn't rely on um on his athleticism that much. You know, it's really going to come down to the passing and I don't think we've seen enough of a progression there to really expect too much more. Yeah,
1: uh to, just to follow up on that. I I totally agree with with that point. I think the big thing is that uh, I like for fantasy purposes, I like quarterbacks who have that dual threat capability. And if a quarterback doesn't, if, if his only means of production is the passing game, I think that means he has to be playing at a really high level, like a Drew Brees level, a, uh, you know, a Tom Brady level, like Matt Ryan and his MVP season type of level. And I don't think we can expect a jump like that for Jameis Winston. He might, he might get more rushing production through the form of touchdowns, but like those, those come and go, you know, that's not something that's very dependable.
3: Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know sometimes you do hear people talk about how he does have some rushing ability i don't know man he's actually pretty slow he's not particularly agile like you said if he's going to accrue points rushing it's going to be from the touchdowns so i think if you hear people saying that about winston uh don't let it fool you he's not going to be a guy that's going to put up an extra 30 points on the season with his legs uh just accruing yardage like a tyrod taylor or cam wood or somebody like that that,
1: that, that's total trash he has no rushing ability whatsoever he scored six rushing touchdowns as a rookie and people uh, interpreted that as oh this guy has rushing capability but he had only 213 yards as a runner that year the touchdowns were very fluky he has two touchdowns combined on the ground in the two seasons since then and hasn't topped 200 yards he had 165 yards rushing in 16 and 135 yards rushing in, in 2017 this is not a guy who is known as a runner at all
3: yeah, absolutely. You know, that's kind of like Kirk Cousins in the first season that he got significant time with Washington. I think he scored five touchdowns on the ground. Uh, But, you know, it's, it's the same type of thing. You wouldn't call Cousins a guy with a rushing ability, Uh you know, and and Winston, too. Like if you want to talk about quarterbacks that have some rushing ability, point to a guy like Trubisky that actually showed good metrics at the combine or something like that. Right. You know, Winston is slow by all accounts. Right.
1: I mean, it also helps if like normally uh like rushing capability is something that does translate from college to the NFL. Like if a guy's a decent scrambler in right. college, he tends to carry that over with him professionally. Winston wasn't a guy who was a runner in college. He was just a, a very classic pocket passer. That's what we see in the NFL.
3: Yeah, I could not agree more. And for more insights such as that, you can get a listener's only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content. Also, you can support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Rotoviz radio channel on iTunes. Do that and you'll be eligible to win a free $35 entry to a league at the FFPC. Go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then listen to future episodes to here, if you're the winner. Also, if you're interested in being in an FFPC league with some of the RotoViz writers and podcasters, email us at RotoVizRadio at gmail.com and we'll get that set up. And also, as we've talked about at length here, we're trying something new. We want to hear from listeners. We want to hear your bold predictions. We'll share them on the air. Call into the show's number 978-925-7628 and leave us a voicemail. Include your name, where you're from, then share your bold prediction. And we're putting some icing on the cake. If you call in we are going to pick one uh randomly one of those voicemails and that winner will get to have a free $35 entry into a league at the FFPC so again 9789257628 leave us your bold prediction we want fire hot takes we want denny carter type takes uh he gave us a pretty good one last time so that takes t-a-e-k-s because you got to be different if you're denny right yeah with the
1: hashtag in front of it yeah i gotta say like uh we we are on fire uh we're about 15 minutes into the show and we've talked about uh yahtzee and uh we talked about winston and we've done a live read we are like really giving the people lots of value here Hey, that's,
3: that is what we aim (laughs) to do, right? We like to bring value.
1: So, uh, yeah. Speaking of value though, like, uh, transitioning to something that actually is valuable. Uh, I noticed that at Rotovis Mm -hmm. you've recently released, uh, some tools there. Uh, you have the projection machine, the, uh, stat explorer, uh, and all of this is available. I think under the, uh, what is it? The, uh, like FF draft prep, uh, package. Can you talk about, uh, your tools and everything that goes into them?
3: Sure. So, this is something that I started um just building tools um in Excel uh, probably like 6 or 7 years ago. So, for some background, I'm a CPA, so I spend a lot of time in Excel and uh naturally being a huge nerd and liking fantasy football, the two go pretty well hand in hand. So, I used to have to travel a lot for my job uh and I just started filling my nights away by building draft tools. Fast forward, we have some very advanced draft tools now uh, and fantasy tools that I've been putting out at ffdraftprep.com for the last four years. Uh Sean and I talked about it. We wanted to bring them to Rotovis subs this year. So we have three preseason tools and one tool that I spent about 10 months working on that is going to be like, oh God, I can't wait to use it in season. But so we have for our tools for preseason in 2018, we essentially have moved the projection machine to uh, an Excel-based version. So basically anything that you could do in the old projection machine, you can do in the Excel projection machine that we just released. So you're going to be building your top-down projections. You're able to look for a particular team. If you want to know the target allocation that has gone to the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver three. You can very easily pull that up. You can very easily pull up historical stats for players. So all the information that you need to build strong, solid projections and the information that you need to allocate them and all of that underlying math, that's going to make sure that you're going about the projection process correctly, which is something I want to talk about in a future episode is built in. So that's the projection machine. We have the stat explorer. where. More or less, any fantasy-relevant stat that you want to pull up on a player, you can very quickly pull up in a summary format. Uh, there's a lot of information in this tool. It's really useful for reviewing what players have done in the last five seasons, And then using that to build your range of outcomes. I also built in some fun things that you can look at from last season. So for quarterbacks, you can look at how accurate they were on different sides of the field and at different distances. And for receivers, like for Brandon Cooks, you can look and you can see how often Tom Brady targeted him beyond 20 yards to the left side of the field and how many of those he converted. For running backs, there's numbers on breakaway rushes. There's just a lot of stuff that you can dig through and try to find some way to separate these players as you're looking through. And there's also built into that tool, all of the historical projections that we talked about before that I built uh, with a process of looking at players that had similar output to players in the prior season, seeing how those players did in the subsequent year to give us projections that are based on actual data of similar players. And the thing that is really like outside of my, of having my daughter the Excel draft dashboard is basically like my my opus in life, other than her. Yeah,
1: like if uh if you had another kid, you might name uh you might name her Excel or something like that. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I have I have a couple of questions about the uh, sure. the stat explorer. So yeah. there are a lot of statistics in there. Uh, do yep. you have a sense of how or like how would you recommend for let's say like the average fantasy player? Uh, You know, like it's yep. almost July. This person is starting, you know, now to do uh, to do research for the upcoming season. How do you think that person should go about using that tool? Like what are what are the statistics the person should be researching to find some sort of edge that will benefit how they play fantasy football?
3: Right. Well, I think the first thing that you want to do is you want to go in and look at where a player has been taken historically from an ADP perspective, which is all built in there. And then you see if this year they're being drafted at a spot that's radically different. And then you look through their stats from last year, you consider their situation and you say, has that much changed that we should see this big of a fluctuation in ADP? That's one of the first things that I look at. Then from there, I look at how their career has trended um, to make sure that I'm not getting sucked into any outliers from the prior year. Uh, and then from there, I'm going to look at the type of stats that they normally accrue. Were there any in the prior year that don't line up? So were they over-efficient? So if you go back to, as you mentioned earlier, like Matt Ryan in that season that he had, what was two years ago now. You're going to be able to very easily see, like, for example, you can look at touchdowns per pass, it, per pass it's thrown, or it's kind of like a, there's something in there that's going to show you, uh, Matt Ryan throws a touchdown every X amount of passes. And in a year that's an outlier, you're going to very quickly see, you know, there's no way he's going to be throwing, uh, a touchdown every 10 fewer passes than he had historically and things like that. So you're kind of teasing out to build a range of outcomes. Um, and then after I look at the stuff like that, the table in the tool that I really like is there's one that shows you for every game, um, played, it kind of breaks them out. So you can look and you can see in 2013, what percentage of games did Matt Ryan go above 10 points above 20? How often was he a QB one? what percentage of games was he a QB two? And we have that for running backs, tight ends, wide receivers. So one thing that you might hear a lot too, is about players like Deshaun Jackson being a boomer bust player. But if you go in and you look at the numbers and you look at how often they're going over, he's going over 20 or 25 points and how often he's going over 10, 15 plus points, you'll see that that lines up with a lot of players that you might consider as, uh, quote unquote consistent. Cause I hear a lot of talk about stuff like this. Um, and in the research that I find, and when I look at these numbers in these tables, I can see that a lot in lots of cases statements that are being made aren't true. So I like to look at that to also get a sense of this player. If I'm drafting him, what's he going to look like on my team? Julio Jones, I tweeted about this today. People are talking about his production all coming from a couple of games, but that's just not true. In the last three seasons, Julio has finished uh, as a wide receiver one on a weekly basis, 37% of the time. So this is a long-winded answer, but it's basically just starting by looking at a player's ADP Assessing their situation, thinking about what has changed, and looking at what they've done, and seeing if it supports that current ADP that they're at, and then thinking about how can this build into a range of outcomes. You can also look at the historical projections that are in there. So does that kind of make sense?
1: Yeah, it, it does. In terms of statistics, um, what are the so so you'll you'll start out kind of by looking at ADP, and uh, you'll yep. compare uh, year over year, and if there's a drastic difference. Then you start to dig into uh, the previous season's numbers to see if there was some sort of change in usage uh, or or, or things like that. Like at that level, what are the numbers that you're really looking for? So let's say like someone – think of like Allen Robinson where one year in his second season he had like 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns. The next year he had uh, almost the same number of targets, like very similar uh, usage in that, you know, in that regard, but his efficiency numbers were horrible. So like, what would you have projected moving forward for him if he had indeed been able to play a full season uh in 2017? Like, what would you have expected for him?
3: Right. So like in a case like that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at other receivers that I consider to be of this, the same type of caliber. So I would look at other guys that were wide receiver ones on their team, other guys that I view as fairly talented. And for them, for touchdowns, I would look at their, um, number of targets per touchdown, which is built in. And I would look and, you know, I, I don't recall off the top of my head and I don't have the tool open you know what those numbers were but i would compare them to other players and uh you know if you see a player that was way above those other players at that same type of level you know you pro- you start to re- regress it down to the mean kind of and then you project it out so you know in some respects it's not so much about finding that really accurate number but it's just understanding that you you have to expect some regression that you can't be looking for what you got last season. And that's where it really comes for me to looking back to their player's ADP. Because oftentimes what we see is a player has a very efficient season, his ADP actually rises when you know that he's actually going to regress backwards. So the odds of him doing what he did the season before are lower, so it's even harder for him to justify that new ADP. Sure.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh You, you talked about... um Basically, like similarity scores, uh, w- yep. within the stat explorer. Can you talk about those a little bit and, and like the basis for similarities? Like, like, can people using the tool, uh, screen the statistics that they want to inform the, uh, the similarity scores that are created or are those kind of like already programmed in there?
3: They're already programmed in and I left them static. Um, I'd considered releasing something where people could tinker with them but the, the the thing that prevented me from doing that was if you're just kind of tinkering around with them and you don't know the math underlying it like i don't want mm-hmm. people using one of my tools and playing around with the stats and building these projections off of things that have very low coefficients um of determination or anything like that so like i want to make sure that it was something mathematically sound because if you're a person you know that's just casually opening this up going to play around with it it's very easy for you to look at things that are called projections and view them as hard and and, and view them as a hard fact where you know if they're not mathematically supported they don't have much meaning to you yeah.
4: yeah. hey sports fans football season's here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie
1: Can you talk about what goes into your similarity scores? Because I I think this stuff is like very interesting. And, you know, years ago, um, you know, Fantasy Douche was one of the first guys in in the industry, the fantasy industry to uh, to release similarity scores. And I think he at that point called them like Gillespie. Like, you know, game yep. level similarity projections, something like that. Uh, and the, right. and the idea, and it's, it's based, uh, I think on, on Nate Silver's Pakoda, but you know, the, the right. idea being that, uh, in a perfect world of, you know, like endless simulations, you could, uh, you could have one player, uh, go against a certain type of defense or or actually one defense a thousand times. And then from that, be able to get a sense of how that guy might do in the thousandth and first instance. Um, but you can't do that. So all you can do is look at uh, that player and maybe similar players going against that defense and similar defenses and kind of build a larger group that way to get a, a range of outcomes. But can, can you talk about the similarity scores a little bit and what the statistics are Um, that you use as the basis for your similarities and and comparable players.
3: Right. So um, when I'm starting for the season long ones, I try to not make it too complicated. So how I start off is I, for each position, I'm going to review different statistics. Um, But so for like quarterbacks, I am going to do two things. The first thing that I'm going to do is pull together a database of all the statistics for quarterbacks that I expect could explain some of the, um, not only players production in a given year, but that might carry over to the next year. So I pull all of this data. I then am calculating which pieces of statistics relate the most to fantasy points. So obviously for a position like quarterback, something like interception's Those don't really impact the output too much, whereas touchdowns are a key input. And then you'll discover some interesting things in here too. Like there's a pretty good, or in comparison to other things at the position, the correlation between a quarterback's QBR and his fantasy points um, does hold pretty well. So normally I wouldn't include stats that are efficiency type of stats because they don't carry from year to year, which is the next thing that I'm going to do the math on. Um, and this is a lot like building a model in a way in which you're trying to find relationships that have occurred in the past that will carry to the future. And in this, um, and kind of one of the ideas behind this of why we're doing this is like, you might look at a player like, uh, let's go back to Matt Ryan, right? And you might look at, his last five seasons. And you use those as inputs from the past. Now, one of the things you hear a lot is that past performance doesn't indicate future performance, but we know that it's one of the best predictors we have. So we could look at Matt Ryan in those five seasons and try to come up with an average off of it. Or what we could do is look at Matt Ryan in that outlier season, find players that are similar to Matt Ryan, and then see how they did the subsequent season, which is where we're aiming to get after I do all of that math. So after I'm finding the things that explain fantasy scoring and the things that will carry from year to year, uh, which very honestly, lots of times end up being things that you would expect. So, like I said, there's QBR, there's going to be touchdowns. Um, you're not going to include things like interceptions or or attempts and completions. Aren't really a major input. And then at the, the thing that makes quarterback tricky is there's rushing that you have to account for. um, so, you know, you do need to look at now especially in fantasy, the rushing can be a very significant component for quarterbacks. So, that's kind of the process of how it starts. Uh for other positions, you are going to see things get built in, and generally you're not going to see things that are efficiency based, they're going to be more usage based. So, for a running back, an input that does make its way in is expected points, which is something that we're calculating each game based upon the opportunity that a player sees where it where they were on the field when they got a carry, the down, the distance, things like that. So to take a step back here, what the program is doing is when you enter in, let's say you put in Kareem Hunt, it's taking Kareem Hunt's average stat line from last season. It's then chopping out the stats that I have identified as explaining fantasy scoring and that carry from year to year and it's assigning weights based upon how predictive each stat was in those two things that we just talked about. And then it's going to weight those so that it finds players that had similar stats, especially in the things that mattered with smaller percentages going to a player's experience, their height, their weight and their age to try to give a little bit of context to this. And then it's going to find those players that were similar to Kareem Hunt and it's going to take the top 20 matches look at their season that occurred after their match season and it's going to chop off the bottom 25 chop off the top 75 percent to try to give us an expected range so we now have a projection that is based upon actual historical data so we have real inputs going in to build a range of outcomes
1: all right that was uh that was a lot that was good um I, I think that, I think yeah, it's I mean, really, it's it, it, yeah, yeah go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, so, yeah, I think it's, it's fascinating stuff and I think it's important for people to, um, to have a sense of the statistics that actually mean something for like, right. like a, in a, in a predictive way for what a a given player might right. do moving forward and, and to have a sense of, of what those similarities are based on. Um, because I think it's really easy for people to, um, to make, uh like like to make comparisons based on things that in reality have like no significance at all
3: right exactly so like just to expand upon that because it's, it's sometimes it's hard for me to step away from the the math and like trying to explain like the actual um like decisions that the algorithms are going through when they do this. And I don't say algorithms to sound smart because in in something like this, they're very simple. You know, it's really just a step of directions for it. But, um, like if you see something with a player's juke rate and I love stats like that, like I love looking at breakaway rushes and, and juke rate and, uh, you know, like contested catch rate and things like that. But the truth is if those don't carry from season to season, which very commonly they don't, there's no sense in including them in a model that you're trying to make be predictive. Um, you know, you want to try to keep it with just the things in there that are making it more predictive. Uh, so, you know, that's why something like yards per carry, the model doesn't really care about that uh, for a couple of reasons. Yards per carry aren't going to carry that often from year to year. There's something that's going to regress to the mean, but the usage is much more important. Um, so, though there's a lot of fun things that you could look at. And very honestly, I'd like to sit here and say, oh, like, you know, I found this and I found that and different things that you can put in. And Lots of times it's really just building something that's going to go through the process of looking at those core raw stats that we've tested at Rotoviz that we know really are important and then using those to get a profile for a player that's going to match for the next season. And, you know, the cool thing is when you do it and you see the matches, now those aren't included in the tool because I didn't want to I really wanted to focus more on just doing the research on what you've seen for a player not have it be all about um, just the historical projections, but it is really neat when you run the numbers and you see Cam Newton getting matched to quarterbacks that you've forgot had like a really good season guys that were rushing quarterbacks maybe 10 years ago and you see those names pop up and you're like oh yeah that actually is a really cool match or maybe there's like a scat back you know um or like uh darren sproles gets matched to these one of these younger players like a tariq cohen and you just see these comparisons that you might not have made the connection with before but you look at the comps and it's really cool to see and then you know that there's some validity to what the numbers are telling you
1: that's uh it's really interesting I, I see that there's a, a mock draft tool. Um, yep. can, can you, or, or just a, yeah, draft tool in general. Can you, can you talk about that yeah. tool? Yes. So
3: this is the one that I described kind of as my life's opus. Okay. Um,
1: okay.
3: Uh, which maybe is a bit of an exaggeration. I hope at the end of my life, I don't reflect and say that this was, but this is something I have literally spent it's no exaggeration at all. Easily, easily, well over a thousand hours building. So when I first started really getting into fantasy, I wanted a tool that would um just give me the pertinent information that I need and organize my draft. Like the thing that I didn't like was most of the time when you're using a software for your league, whether it's an ESPN or a Yahoo or CBS, you're really just getting a list of players that are in the order of how the experts for that site have ranked them. And that's informing ADP. And that's really all the information that you have, but I wanted something that would let me look at the quality of remaining players that wasn't based on projections. I like to use tiers where you're bucketing players into groups with similar ranges of reasonable outcomes, players that you have reasonable expectations for. So you're not getting too caught up on one particular player, but you're really considering players of a particular quality at a particular position. So it's really about organizing The data in your draft into a way that is going to allow you to quickly look at what your competitors have done, how they've constructed their rosters, how you're constructing your roster so that you can make more efficient and informed decisions when you're on the clock. It's going to give you some context. You can add in your own tiers. You can add in custom metrics. These were the type of things I was doing in the beginning. And my main reason for doing it was all the tools out there uh, at the time used value-based drafting, which you might have heard referred to as VBD. Before I move forward though, Matt, do you have any thoughts on VBD? Do you like it? We had a small discussion on the road of a Slack chat about this uh, a couple of days ago, which obviously you, you weren't in that, so I'm curious about your thoughts.
1: Uh I just take the best player always. So <laughs> that was that oh, was gosh. a joke. That was that okay. was a bad joke. Uh yeah, I mean I, I don't know. I don't really do actually so for for the listeners, can you explain yep. Uh value-based sure. drafting and then kind of from there we can we can have I think a yeah. little more of a conversation.
3: Right. So the the concept underlying value based drafting, and there have been some variants, but pure value based drafting is you make sets of projections for each position. And then you say if in your particular league you're gonna start two running backs, there's 12 teams. So that 24 starting running backs, you use the projection for the 24th running back as a baseline and you value every running back, uh, with the equation of projected fantasy points, less projected fantasy points for running back 24. So the theory is the higher, the positive answer to that equation is the more valuable that running back is. And the lower, or more negative that number is, the weaker that player is. And then that way you're supposed to be able to compare across positions. So you would, when you're drafting, if the highest positive is a quarterback that has 75 plus, so there's 75 plus against the baseline, you would draft the quarterback. Just like if the highest positive figure at that point was a plus 24 running back, you would draft the running back. Um, so that's really what value-based drafting is. You're setting a baseline, and you're looking at each player as how much better his projection is is than the baseline at that position. And the theory is, and then you would draft the position in which that player, and you draft that player that has the highest positive.
1: Yeah. So you know when you explain it like that, uh, it, it makes sense. Like it, it seems as if like oh that's that's a good idea. And at the time yeah. when this uh, this system. Uh, or this methodology of of viewing draft value was created. It made sense. And so I think it it like it revolutionized the way that people do look at drafting. and, and so that is good. Uh, I just, yep. I think that there are some, some holes in it. And, but, and, and so like, I'm not saying that like, as if I'm sounding like a dick or something. It's just like, in, yep. in every methodology, there are always holes. And so I think the, right. the goal is you, you try to take the things that are good, uh, and, and like forward moving, uh, with each perspective. And then you, you add that to the next perspective that you have. So, uh, I'm not a slave to value-based drafting. Yep. Um, but it is sort of like in, in the way that like value-based drafting sort of creates baselines, like value-based drafting itself is kind of like the pre, like the preliminary baseline sort of, uh, in yep. which like I, I enter drafts or like in which I like create a big board for a draft. But like, like by the time you look at like the final product of my rankings, it looks nothing like value-based drafting, like, it, you know what right. I mean? So, uh, because I just, I move things around so much and it's based on primarily where I think I can get like actual value. Um, so if I think that I can get actual value in like, for whatever reason, like in a particular season, uh, I think there are valuable wide receivers available late in the draft that will change my rankings earlier in the draft. And that has like absolutely nothing to do with value-based drafting. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think like the concept is great. Obviously, you would like to do that. You would like to find the players with the most variance against their position. But the problem is anything to me that's predicated on something that you know is going to be wrong and that all of the decisions you're making – are going to be based upon this data that you know is going to be wrong. That's just something that I I struggle to get behind because I have spent a lot of time working on projections. You know, I'm building historical projections. <laughs> right. I've built tools that people are using to do projections in a more subjective kind of way, accounting for current things in the year. And if we know one thing in fantasy football, it's that projections are very hard to do. There are so many things that can sway the projections that you've made that are external factors from a player that, you know, to me, projections really shouldn't be the basis of what you're doing so really like the, the biggest problem is if you're off on a couple of those things your baselines go out the window the players that you're using the baselines with um you know it very easily all kind of crumbles down and the other thing that i didn't like about vbd was it wasn't really considering the fact that there's positions that are more important, like right in most leagues, running back and wide receiver are inherently more important. And to me, one of the biggest things is roster construction. I think that roster construction, uh, lots of times is more important than the actual players that you're going for, which is something that ties in with the structural approaches to drafting we've been talking about at RotoViz for a number of years. So to make a long story short, I just wanted to have something else that I could go with. And tiers were a way to do that. And now the tier does things. It does certain analysis where you put in your preference. You have a hundred percentage points that you allocate to the positions. So you can let the tool know that you place a more significant emphasis on wide receiver. It's then looking at the uh, quality of available players, looking at the makeup of other teams in your league to identify the demand for that supply of players and then it's looking at your preferences to give you percentages of how, um, significantly you should be considering drafting each position. So if the tool knows that you really like wide receivers, it sees that there's only a couple of players left in tier one at wide receiver and there's a lot of teams that need wide receiver. It's going to inform you that you should consider a wide receiver by giving it at the highest percentage. So there's a lot of things that you can do there and what I started doing last year was the first year I released it, but I basically built into it a mock draft um, engine. So now you can go through, you can set up all the specifics of your league. You can put in keepers, you can have traded picks. Um, you can put in ADP from a number of different sources, two quarterback ADP, dynasty ADP. You can bring in ESPN PPR if you're going to be in a league that does PBR scoring zone on and is on ESPN and the computer will make picks to pick against you. You can even set it up so that you can say, I'm going to be in a league where people are heavily targeting running backs, or you can even go in so far as to assign drafting behaviors to particular teams in that league. And then you're doing a mock draft with a tool, which is helping you get used to it. And you're actually drafting against a computer that is making intelligent decisions. So I had to go in and think about the ways in which a human being would assemble their team and try to do it in ways that make sense. So the tool at every pick, it's looking at what other teams have done. It's looking at the needs for that team, the preferences that got set for that team um, to make really well thought out decisions for that team. So you're, you're, you can do really awesome practice for your upcoming drafts. And then this year I built in things too. At the end of the draft, after your mock is done, you can look at the team that you assembled and you can also look at every player that was available to you at that pick. And you can almost after that put together your team in a different way. So you can see maybe how you could have done things better.
1: Yeah. I like that. Uh, all of that sounds pretty fascinating. Uh, I, th- I think we should transition from uh preseason and like draft preparation to in season yeah. and and the tool that's available for people to do weekly research.
3: Right. Okay. This tool, ten months building doing so much on it, but I love it. Like, I really think this is going to help people out a lot. And I really built it because I was helping people manage their teams. I was doing all my articles, building weekly GLSP projections for RotoViz, and I needed something to help me be organized to manage my teams and help other manage their teams. So I basically pulled together this tool that is pulling in um everything that I think would be relevant to make a weekly start sit decision or consider a trade. So for every position, You can go in and you can pull up a particular player and you can also pull up a particular offense and you can look at how – Usage has been how targets are getting allocated, how air yards are getting allocated. You can look at a player's upcoming schedule, uh, which then is adjusted for strength of schedule. And it's going to show you, if you look forward the next six weeks, how hard that schedule is going to be. We do a similar analysis. There's a really cool thing in there that's almost kind of like the streaming D app that we used to have on the site that's going to help you identify the most favorable teams to stream at defense that week. So it's really just to give you a succinct description here. It's giving you all just about all. I don't want to ever say all cuz I don't know everything people lo- people are looking at, but it's including all of the things that I would look at to make a start deci- sit start sit decision each week and that I would also use to consider picking up a player off the waiver wire or making a trade.
1: Okay. Uh that sounds awesome. Everyone should definitely be sure to check out the the suite of FF draft prep tools at Rotoviz. I want
3: to tell you about our friends at the fantasy football players championship, the home of season long high stakes fantasy football. It is the site that I do the majority of my playing on. Uh, I have always liked it. So I'm glad to let you know that the draft season is really heating up. The FFPC as a format to suit your interest and budget, whether you like best ball or super flex or classic managed leagues, There are drafts daily with entry fees starting at just $35 jump into a slow or live draft today. If you like dynasty, the FFPC has almost 200 active dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at $77 and going up to $2,500. And the incredible thing is not a single dynasty league has folded in eight years. New dynasty leagues are forming right now with startup drafts launching on a regular basis. Don't miss the FFPC experience. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high stakes fantasy football. All right, Matt. I'm going to try to be brief in this section. But first, I, I just want to know what in the world was happening with you as a child down in Texas that you've never played Yahtzee? Uh,
1: I was too busy, I don't know, playing sports um, or like doing other – like my, my family has like a card game that we play. So like whenever we would play cards, we would just like play that Uh, so, you know, like maybe I missed out on like other types of games or something, but, uh, okay.
3: What real, uh, I'll be quick here. What uh game, what, what was this card? Uh,
1: it's called Rook. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like a, a super version of spades or kind of like a, a dumbed down version of bridge kind of.
3: Okay. Now actually here's the interesting thing. I've never played either of those games.
1: Yeah. So what's, what's wrong
3: with you? So, I gotta ask now, do either of those games, are those games more strategy based? Or are they luck or are they skill? Or are they a marriage?
1: Um, Bridge is a very skill based game. And, okay. uh, yeah, so Rook, uh, the game that we played, uh, I think it, it's pretty skill based. Uh, and, I mean, you get dealt cards, but you have to, you know, do the best with the cards that you are, you're dealt. And there's definitely strategy in terms of when you play certain cards and, uh, and things like that. So yeah, uh, I think it's actually very skill based.
3: Okay. Perfect. Because what I wanted to do was have some segments on the show that we could call something like, uh, beginner's corner or back to basics. But basically we're talking about strategy and we, are emphasizing and stressing that fantasy football is a game of strategy. When you start playing, you might be inclined to chalk a lot of things up to luck uh, and say something like, Oh, you know, those are the breaks, my play, you know, all these players were injured. But no, fantasy football is a game of strategy. And like all games of strategy, there are things that you can do to improve, and there are ways that you can do things in an optimal fashion to at least increase your chances for success maybe i shouldn't say optimal it's hard to do anything optimal but you get the point so matt i guess i should say that the game that i think has the best marriage of luck and skill is yahtzee i'll explain this real quickly here for you you have five dice and each turn you can roll them three times you can choose which dice you want to roll on the subsequent two rolls after the first and you're trying to make poker hands it's pretty straightforward, okay. right? Okay, yeah. Okay. Why I like this game is that a beginner can start playing it, and they actually, if they get quote-unquote lucky, they will beat a very experienced player uh, and have a lot of fun. If you play a seven-game series where things kind of even out in the luck department, if you will, uh, it's going to be hard for that player to beat the experienced player. Now, I think that this is kind of like fantasy football, in that there are elements of luck but when you're rolling dice there's a lot of probability that goes into it probably a lot more exact than you have in fantasy football there's markov chains that you can look at that are going to let you know for each hand your actual probability but nonetheless you're bringing this randomness and this probability into this game where you're building these hands and you know that you're not always going to get everything that you're going for but over time you start to balance um the luck in with the skill by understanding when you should be trying to achieve certain hands. So in college, I had an internship in tax after we had the corporate and personal returns done as an intern. I had a lot of free time. I built a Yahtzee simulator that kept track of all my stats. And by thinking critically about how I was putting together my games, I was able to improve my score about 75 points over time because I wasn't paying attention to when things went correctly i was thinking about what i was doing wrong that was depressing my scores and you learn lessons about how you should go about trying to get different hands in the game you learn that the full house you're going to commonly just flop and sometimes you'll get the large and the small straight which are high point values when you're going for other hands and you you want to leave the lowest point ones for the end so if you do bad when you're going for another hand you can zero those so these are all things you learn in a game of strategy, just like in fantasy football. If you view it as a game of strategy and you think critically about where you made mistakes, you're going to realize that sometimes um, you're chalking things up to luck when you could have made those things that you view as unlucky fit into a broader context of your roster and that you might consider yourself of having done a great job that you recognize that Alvin Kamara last year was going to be a great running back and you're not paying attention to all the players that you got it wrong on so ultimately my point is there's randomness in this game but you have to fit it into the broader context of your strategy right like you know you're not going to be right about everything you know there's going to be injuries so you plan for it
1: yeah, uh, I like that. And I, I think all that makes sense. Uh, wh- what else do you think is similar?
3: I I think the other thing um, that is similar is that over time, you can start to get kind of a feel for how things are going. And you learn that like, you know, you can't be f- – using the same strategy every time that you play so like you have different adaptable strategies which i think is something that you're going to have in fantasy where you know maybe you're playing in a league that has some settings that you haven't played in before and uh you you need to adjust for that just like you don't know the order of how things are going to go in your yacht game uh based upon your roles so like you kind of have to um think ahead and have a plan for different scenarios that are going to play out. But I think that uh ya uh so that's that's Yahtzee. I actually think that there's better parallels though in Scrabble. So the reason that I really think there's a very strong parallel between Scrabble and fantasy football is on the surface, Scrabble looks like it is a game about words. But it really isn't about the words. Those are kind of a secondary consideration. It's really about understanding the strategy of how you use the board, of where the uh, double uh word scores are and where the hotspots are on the board and how you can use it to block your opponent and how you need to be thinking about using the board for letters that you have in your rack that you're going to use going forward. So anagramming, which is rearranging the letters to make new words, that's an important skill to have but you really have to have the strategy down first, right? If you don't have the strategy, it doesn't matter how good your vocabulary is. You're going to get smoked by an experienced player. And in fantasy football, it's very easy to think about it as a game of scouting where all you have to do is identify the good players, but we know that's not what it's about. You have to consider the specifics of your league. You have to have strategies. You can't just rely on identifying the best players because we all know that is not a sustainable strategy.
1: Yeah, I, I like that. It's, I mean, it makes me think of, um, of risk in a way. Like, uh, yep. what, what's important about risk is, uh, you know, like learning, as you mentioned, sort of like the hot spots on the board and things like that. And yeah, I think, um, I think one of the, the biggest, like kind of big picture takeaways is that it's important to think of fantasy football, not necessarily as something that is super related to football. I mean, it is, but right. it's, it's a game. It's a, it's a game just like Risk is a game or Scrabble is a game or Yahtzee is a game. Uh, and uh, it's, I mean, it's linked to uh, professional sports and to an event that is happening in real time. Um, but that's still like a rather superficial thing. Like what is most important about fantasy football uh, is like the rules uh, and, and then right. like coming up with a strategy that fits the rules for any given league that you're in.
3: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. This is why I always say to people, um, like when we're talking about setting up a league and they say something about how they want it to mirror real real football. I'm like, well, you know, if we were trying to do that, wouldn't we be uh, drafting, uh, you know, edge rushers and guys that can protect the blind side? We're not because this is a separate game from football. You know, it's it's its own entity. And like you said, we have to look at it as such. So there's a couple other lessons that I learned in Scrabble that I want to mention. So, in Scrabble, a beginner player will say, oh, like I have bad luck. My letters my letters suck. And they'll blame losing on the bad letters. But there's things that they can do. So you start to learn that you need to turn your rack the more you play Scrabble. And that is doing whatever you can to get rid of the seven letters that you have that aren't good. So perhaps you sacrifice a turn. And you exchange your letters or you just make a six point word using five of your letters because, you know, the longer that you hold those, the worse off you are. So net net, you'll be better if you just get rid of them uh, in fantasy football. Sometimes you just need to cut your losses and move on from players. You need to be OK with churning through players, even if you used a high waiver priority on a player. And after two or three weeks, the situation you expected doesn't materialize. Move on right so there's there's things that you can do to move on from this perceived bad luck um and maybe you have a bad start in scrabble with bad letters understand that as you play there's things that you can do to overcome that i think you can do that in fantasy football too uh, so it's not just a game of players you need to place them into a broader strategy uh which would be like roster construction and the other thing that i've taken away is in scrabble right To be a good player, you have to understand that your rack, the seven letters that you have aren't all that matters. You need to also be aware of what's gone on the board that's been, that's been played already. And you need to think about the letters that are in the bag upcoming in the future. The same way that in fantasy football, your roster isn't just the players you have at any given time. You have access to this pool of Players on the waiver wire, right? So you should have a liquid bench and understand that, you know, you can ship guys off of your bench and find replacement level players for them. And this is how you start taking chances, trying to find upside as the season goes along. So my overarching points is in games of strategy, um, you know, you need to think about the game that you're actually playing. Just like in fantasy football, it's not just a game of scouting. Um, there's things that you can do to mitigate bad, luck. And it's really about understanding the game that you're playing. And fantasy football is a game of strategy. There's things that you can do to get better. And there's things that you can do to give yourself better chances for success.
1: Uh, one thing that, that strikes me is that there's actually, uh, pretty decent similarity. Uh, and this is for daily fantasy sports, but decent similarity yep. between, uh, like when to discard. Um, yeah. you know, and, and like when you're in a game, uh, for DFS in a tournament and knowing when to switch like when to do late switch, when to take out a player and substitute a player um, based on like what has happened previously and uh, what players the uh, the lineups in front of you in the standings might have or are likely to have in their yeah. lineups. I think there's actually pretty strong similarity there. Oh
3: yeah, I like that one. And actually that reminds me of the one final point that I would have been upset about if I'd missed. The other thing that can happen to you in Scrabble is you kind of fall into this trap. If you get one of the high value letters like the Q or the X or the J or the Z and you don't have anywhere to play it, you keep kind of like holding on to it and you're sacrificing turns because you're trying to set things up so that you can play it. Well, five turns have gone along. Nothing's materialized and you've actually like had a detriment from holding on to this good letter where after a couple of turns you should said, "Alright, screw it. Like I won't try to make the best word ever. Let me just get this out there and play it." And I think that's analogous to what we see happen with drafters who spend high draft capital on a player and leave them in their lineup week after week after week when the player hasn't produced. And it kind of speaks to us sometimes you just need to cut your losses and move on. Like don't buy into the sunk cost fallacy, which is in business, let's say that you're buying this machine for your business that you think is going to be really useful. It's going to cost a million dollars. You get to $750,000 spent on the machine and you realize it's actually going to have no use to you. It has no purpose. You shouldn't feel like, oh, well, we've come this far. Let's spend an extra 250 just to get the thing finished. No, like you wouldn't do that. You would stop and you would say, you know what? It sucks, but this cost is sunk. We can't recover it. Let's not spend any more money. I think sometimes you need to have that attitude in fantasy football where you're not getting focused too much on a player specifically in his name, but you're just thinking about what he's representing at that point. Point in time.
1: Yeah, uh, I I totally get it. I think the the sunk cost fallacy is a big thing uh, with with uh, fantasy football. Um, I, I mean, it's hard to know. I think uh, it's like a balancing act. Like when when yeah. should you drop players that you you know drafted with like a fourth or fifth round pick, uh, or like when do you bench them? Like when when right. do you start to like when is it that you throw that tile away? Uh, like I think it's around like week four you know what I mean? But like, you know, um, I think once you have some sort of sample that is like representative enough, um, but yeah, it's like, that is a balancing act. Um, and I, like, I think that's always something that's really hard to do. And, and I, I try to err on the side of being aggressive of like, maybe just getting rid of something too soon. Um, you know, but, uh, I, like one thing that I don't think is, uh, is like one for one with the analogy is that like with, um, with fantasy sports, like you can um, be like, based on what's happening in an NFL game, you can get a sense of like usage. You can not get a sense of like, well, this guy hasn't produced, but he's still getting his touches. He's still getting his targets. Right. Like, you know, with like Scrabble, it's not like, well, um, like this Z that I'm holding in my hand is like still getting its touches. So it's like just a matter of time till it gets a touchdown. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, I think, I think yeah. like the idea of uh, knowing when to move on is important in both of those.
3: Right. So, you know, some of these, maybe they don't relate directly and maybe this didn't help out everybody that was listening. But ultimately, I think the point I was trying to get across was, you know, there's different ways that you think about things when you're playing games. And it goes back to the idea of, when you're playing fantasy football, you're playing a very specific game and you want to play that game. You just don't want to like, you don't want to purely play the real football game, the scouting game, if that makes sense. Yeah. I
1: think that makes sense. And, uh, I think this conversation was definitely worth having if for no other reason than, uh, it gave us like a solid 20 minutes of (laughs) airtime, which really, which really is the most important thing.
3: Oh, absolutely. So I think this is maybe the most off the wall podcast we've done, I guess. But, uh, you know, hopefully it resonates with some people
1: out there. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think it's off the wall. I think it is very in keeping with what we have done to this point in the, uh, in the off season.
3: Oh, all right. Well, then, uh, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about that. And somehow Matt, we made it through the whole episode without me placing down one of the awesome drops that I've, uh, acquired over the last couple uh, of weeks. Just have, so maybe just have to
1: save it for the next one.
3: Yeah, I think that's what we're gonna do. And on that note, I think we can close down today's episode. Once again, I'm Dave Cabin. You can follow me at Twitter at Dave My co-host was Matthew Friedman, who you can follow at Matt F the Oracle. Don't forget to call into 978-925-7628. Tell us your bold predictions and have a chance to win an entry into a $35 league at the FFPC. We are going to bring you a 4th of July episode next week, which I'm already excited about. So be sure to tune in. This has been roto Radio. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and be sure to tune in next week. And remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate, review, and contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the listener homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.